and what a day to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, I don't know about you, I've been blessed all day, and just thank the Lord uh, for the privilege. Really, you, you think about that thought, I mean, just all day long it's kind of been our theme, how good God truly is to us. Uh, I left the service thinking this morning, boy, God has just been so good to me. I don't deserve it. I'm not, man, I'm just like you, just a, a saved sinner. His grace has just been poured out upon my life, and I thank God for that. And uh, boy, I, I'm glad to be saved. I'm glad to be serving, and I'm glad that you're here tonight. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Revelation chapter number two. We've been going, we, we started through the book of Revelation, and then I, it feels like weeks since I've uh, been up here to preach on the book of Revelation. It seemed like something uh, just happened every Sunday night, and, and uh, I was telling Preston, I said, well, he asked about something in the service tonight, and, and I, said, well, it, uh, he, I said, well, that's what we always do. I said, but I guess it seems like every service that you've been here, which has only been like a month and a half, uh, it's been something different, and so he hasn't, poor guy, he hasn't even figured out what normal is yet, and uh, well, he'll get it, we'll, we'll get there, and uh, we just have had a lot going on this summer, and, and uh, boy, praise the Lord for, uh, for just being able to do things. I, um, Revelation chapter number 2, I was looking at all of these, and I, I was really, I'll be honest with you, I was really tempted to to go through all seven messages to the seven churches, and, and I was looking at it and I was saying, there is no way I cannot get through it all. And uh, I honestly did not want to take one per service and looking out, and, and sometimes I get in a hurry. And, and the Lord said, just, we're not in a hurry. It's okay. You can take seven weeks and go through these messages to the church uh, I believe they're important. By the way, uh, I find this interesting. I was studying this, uh, this passage, and I, I was studying really this, this whole thing, and really uh, the Lord says, I know thy works to all of these churches, and, and you get to the end, and, and really the, after chapter 3, the church is not mentioned any longer. And so we'll take our time as God wants has mess, a message for the church before the end of time starts. And that's what's recorded in these two chapters, Revelation chapter number 2 and chapter number 3. And look with me in verse number 1. The Bible says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick 
out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear to hear, let him... Uh, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for uh, your many blessings in our life. And God, thank you that, uh, that you have, um, you've been so good to us. God, I, I was sitting here thinking of how good you have been even to our church. And God, your blessings are so evident. And Father, we thank you so much. I, I look back even over the, the history of our church and what a blessing, God, to, uh, to, to know how you have just used our church in a mighty way. God, I pray that you would use me. God, I pray that you would speak through me as only you can do. God, I pray that you would touch hearts. And Father, we'll thank you for that and we'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this passage, uh, it starts out with these words, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus. And angel is a messenger, and so while it is not spelled out for us like the candlestick is in, in chapter 1 and verse number uh, 20 that explains what those things are, uh, an angel is the, a messenger, and so many people believe that the messenger is the pastor of the church. And so we find that these are messages that are given to the, to the pastor of the church, or to, at very least, we understand that it is the angel of the church, and so it's given to them. Now I want you to notice this just a little bit, and, and by way of introduction, that Ephesus was a very prominent city in Asia. Uh, it was a great city of, of wealth and commercialism, and, and uh, it, it, there was a great deal of, of paganism, really. And we know that the great temple of Diana sat just outside of the city, and it was a spectacular sight to behold. The Lord blessed me with the ability to be able to be in, in Rome and, and in Italy a few times. And, and, uh, and as we were there, we would, we would walk around. And when I'm not a historian, I'm not a history buff by any stretch of the imagination. I, I really should be more uh, into history than I, than I am. But maybe it's a, a, fee, a fault or a weakness of mine, I don't know. But, uh, but as we were wandering around the city of, of well, in, in many places in Italy, we would see these ruins and these columns, and, and I was just really awestruck by the fact that these are thousands of years old. We wander around America, and I've been to historical sites in America, and I like to go to some of those historical sites, and, and we're, wow, I mean, that's 200 years old. We're like, wow, that's really old. And it is. But then you go to something like Italy, and and, uh, and other places, and you th see things that are 2,000 years old, and you're like, that's really old. And it is. And some of the construction and some of the things that they had was really quite marvelous. And I don't know, I've never been to Ephesus, and I don't know what the temple would have looked like, but they, they say that uh, uh, it, was, it was just laid out in marble. And I can see these great big pillars that would be laid out in this 
open floor that is all marble and just a, a very beautiful design. And it was a very pagan temple. And they were just uh, very much so a pagan town. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 19, you can read a little bit about it and you can just mark it down. And the, the, when Paul had been there, there was, a, uh, there was a great outcry. Matter of fact, you'll remember that they were upset because, uh, because several people had been saved and, uh, and changed. And, and they said, well, there goes our money. I mean, the idol makers were starting to go out of business and feel the pinch. And, and they were concerned about that. And in Acts 19.28, it says, And when they heard these sayings, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians, and the whole city was filled with confusion, and having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, they rushed with one accord into the theater. It says a few, few verses down in that chapter that for two hours solid, they cried, great is the goddess of Diana. And I could just kind of picture this great uh, problem that's taking place there. And, and, and what am I saying? I'm simply saying that Ephesus was a wicked city. It was full of pagan idolatry. It was full of all kinds of wealth and prominence. It was full of all kinds of wickedness. But yet in the, in the city of Ephesus, hey, there was a church that stood faithful to the Lord. And I love that fact. Hey, may we be reminded that though we may live in a very pagan society, though we may live in a very wealthy society, and we do, we can still live right. We can still serve the Lord. As the church there in Ephesus did. And, uh, and, and there's all kinds of things. You can go into more about the whole idea of Ephesus, but I want you to understand that the Bible says there in verse number 2, God says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And boy, there was a great deal of wickedness that was all around them. And I want you to notice in this chapter, first and foremost, was their commendation that God would say to them, hey, you are doing a good job and let me lay out for you some of the good things that are being done and I'm, I'm constantly uh, encouraged when I think of this thought that he says I know thy works well you know God sees our works you know you can do stuff behind the scenes that perhaps nobody else sees and, uh, and you, can, uh, you can read your Bible behind closed doors and you can pray and spend time with the Lord as you ought to do behind closed doors and, and you think, well, nobody knows. Hey, but the Lord notes it down. And He's watching and He knows our works. Praise the Lord for that, that He's aware nothing gets by God. And many things that we do in our Christian life, hey, they're not always seen by everybody. When you do right and you are out on your job and maybe your boss doesn't see it, hey, God notes it down. And we are to live right, and we are to do right in our workplace, in our homes, in our, in our communities, and the places that we are. And we're not to do so for the sight of men, but rather for the sight of God. And God is saying to the church of Ephesus, I know thy works. God notes them. 
And he gives us three things at least that we can note here that he notices about the works of the church of Ephesus. And I want you to note what they are as he gives them the commendation for this. In verse number two, he says, and thy labor. He says, hey, I want you to know I have noticed that you have put in the work hours. Hey, listen, sometimes uh, when you do something for the Lord and you say, uh, man, nobody really notices or, or sees anything. And uh, the other day I, I, was, uh, I was driving home from the church and I had left and I was on my way home. And, and as I, I was going home, I, I seen this vehicle on the side of the road with the hood propped up. And you might be able to help with some stuff and I might be able to help with other stuff. I have a hard time driving by a car with the hood popped up. I, do, I don't know why it is. I, I just do. And so I promptly drove by and I turned around and I, I pulled up behind them and, and I just went up and, and I, the, the, uh, I said, hey, they were on the phone. I said, are, are you guys all right? Do you got help on the way? And, and they said, yep, we got help on the way. And, and I, I got in my car and, and I, I turned around and I left. I thought, you know, they're all set. I, I don't need to help them. And and, and I didn't do that so that on Sunday night I could say, I'm going to use that for an illustration. Nobody saw me. Nobody knew. If I hadn't told you, nobody would have even known that I did that. And what am I saying? I'm saying, hey, when you stop and, and you be a good Samaritan to somebody else, you don't have to broadcast it to everything because I tell you what, God notes it down in heaven because He knows our work. He knows our labor of love. Maybe you're busy making phone calls or witnessing to other people and you're knocking on doors or you're, uh, you're, you're calling up the, uh, those who ride our van or maybe your neighbors or, or, or your children or something else and you're trying to get them into church or serving the Lord, hey, you don't have to broadcast it to everywhere because the Lord sees our labor. A lot of times our labor, we think, comes up fruitless. But I'm telling you, God sees every bit of it. And He knows what we're doing. I remember getting close to uh, leaving Peru, and, and boy, it was hard to pull out of Peru. I tell you what, it was not an easy task. It was not something uh, I know for a fact. That's what God wanted, and that's why we did it. But as we were leaving, and, and I was trying to organize things at the church so that we could leave them, uh, the church there, and, and I really felt in my heart like a failure. I thought, man, I just I haven't done enough. I haven't, I haven't uh, watched the church grow enough and, and, and I really felt like I had not accomplished much and, and the Lord ha it really brought people by and, and I was people that I never even knew and, and they'd come up to me and they'd say, uh, Brother Shane, I just want you to know that all the time that you've been here, hey, you have been a blessing and an encouragement to me. And I thought, man, I never knew that. I never knew that uh, that, that person uh, was encouraged. And I never knew all of those things. And what I'm saying is, you may feel like the labor that you do. You may feel like the prayers that you invest. You may feel like the tracks that you pass out. You may feel like that the work and the Sunday school classes that you teach, that is all a waste of time. But you mark it down, it is not. Any labor you do for the Lord, hey, He's noting it. And he commends them for the labor that they had done. The Bible says there that they had, uh, 
It says there in verse number 3, and thou hast born. And that word born means to carry or support. And uh, listen, much of the ministry requires being carried on our shoulders. I'll never forget a message that I heard Brother, uh, Dr. Ouellette, uh, Brother Ouellette preach at a fellowship meeting. It was years ago. And, uh, and he was preaching to preachers, really, and, and he was talking about the temple, and, and he was talking about how uh, those, those priests would have to pack up the temple. Everywhere that they went, they had to hand carry everything. He had four or five young men come up front, and he, and he, and he grabbed hymnals from everywhere, and he loaded those guys down with hymnals. He said, I want you to walk around the church. Just keep walking around the building. And those guys are carrying all these hymnals and walking around the church. And, and, and he was talking about how, listen, they would get tired as they would carry that, that tabernacle everywhere that they went. They would get tired of packing all of those things up and bearing those burdens. But I'm telling you this, uh, as, as the Lord watches, He knows the burden that we are carrying for Him. And he's saying, hey, I know thy works and thy labor. And he's saying, hey, some things can only be carried. They can't be loaded up and, and put on a cart. They must be carried. Ministry is one of those things that, hey, you have got to carry in your arms. And it's something, it is a labor of love. And we find that uh, he is commended for their labor of love. He says there uh, that in verse number three, look with me. He says that thou hast borne and hast patience for my name's sake hast labored. Hey, we're not laboring for ourselves. We're not laboring for, uh, we're not laboring even for uh, the effectiveness, if I can say it that way. We're not, we're not laboring for the results. That's probably a better way to say it. We're laboring for the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, if we're laboring for results, can I tell you something? Jeremiah, I've been reading through the book of Jeremiah, he would have given up and quit because there were no results. He, he, he labored and ministered to a people that, uh, uh, that, that, that did not respond. He was told, hey, they're not going to hear you. They're not going to listen. They're not going to respond. But you just keep doing what you are supposed to do. And, and certainly he did that. Hey, we are to be laboring, uh, not because we, want, we obviously want to see results, but ultimately if we don't see results, we are laboring because we love the Lord. That's got to be our motive. And he noticed that. And he said, hey, I commend you because your labor, and look at what he says, uh, for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Oh boy, they just kept going. Their faithfulness. They didn't give up. They weren't stopping. They were faithful. They were patient in their labors. He's mentioned that twice in verse number two. He says, thy patience. And then in verse number three, and has patience. He's mentioning, hey, that they are long-suffering in their labors. They're long-suffering in their service for the Lord. Not only are they uh, laboring, not only are they long-suffering, but I want you to notice in verse number two, he says uh, in the middle of it, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. They're loathing of evil. They have a low tolerance for evil. Sadly, many Christians today have a high tolerance for evil and wickedness. Oh, listen, we need a low tolerance 
That is, hey, sin ought to bother us. Hearing bad things ought to bother us. I don't know about you, but I'm bothered when I drive. I, I've noticed in our society, and, and they're, they're lost. It's the world. You can expect this. It has gone downhill. I mean, it used to be pretty much taboo to put bad words on a car. That's not true anymore. Our society is getting more. And I drive down the road, and I see things, and it just bothers me. And I think, man. Those people need the Lord. And I'm reminded of how wicked and lost our society is and, and, and God is commending them saying, hey, that you shouldn't tolerate wickedness, that thou canst not bear it. In verse number 6, he says, uh, but this thou hast that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And uh, listen, uh, the Nicolaitans were probably the people that brought worldly ideas and pagan worship into the church and had changed the worship of the church. And he's saying, listen, uh, you hated the, deed, the ways of the Nicolaitans. You were not accepting of that. And you loathed that. Not only that, but the false prophets in verse number... Um, Verse number three, in verse number two, which say there at the end of the verse, it says, which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars. Hey, there were false apostles running around saying, hey, I'm an apostle of God and proclaiming false truths. And they were uh, able to weed that out and say, listen, that's not what God said. That's not Bible. They loathed that kind of wickedness. And so God is commending them for their labor. He's commending them for their long suffering. He's commending them for their uh, loathing of evil. But we get down there to verse number 4 and we find their correction in verse number 4. He says there in verse number 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. And then he gives it to them, Because thou hast left thy first love. Their correction. And listen, God's looking at their works. And he's saying, whoa, I've noticed, hey, they've tapered off. I've noticed... Their patience is a little bit less. Their long-suffering, their, their vigor, their zeal, their enthusiasm for the Lord is not like it used to be. And, and, and God is looking at them and He's saying, hey, uh, it's not what it used to be. I want you to notice in this passage in verse number 4 here that He says that thou hast left thy first love. Listen, relationships are funny things. And uh, they really are. And it takes both sides to make a relationship work. I mean, it, it takes, uh, it, it takes, and I'll just say we have to state it in 2022. It used to be, you could generalize, but man, it takes a man uh, loving a woman and a woman loving a man. That is a relationship as defined by the Word of God. And so uh, as they, they both have to work at it to make that relationship work. Uh, if one side works at it, the other side doesn't work at it, then they're going to run into problems down the road. And if uh, one side uh, decides, well, I'm not going to work at it, but if they both work at it, it will come out and it will be a wonderful relationship. And in the case of God and the church, I can tell you this, that as was sung tonight, God never fails on his part of the relationship. And he points out here in the passage, thou hast left 
thy first love. In other words, hey, it's not God's fault that the church has started to, to wander away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not God's fault because He's always faithful. And so there's only one way to look at it, and that it would be that it's our fault. And he points that out. He said, thou hast left thy first love. If God is here, it's like the church is moving farther and farther and farther away from the love of God. And they're the ones that are drifting. I, I will never get over the thought and the idea of, of being close to God. And listen, we ought to be close to God. We ought to maintain a relationship with God. I, I know I've used this illustration before, but it seems like most Christians want to want to throw a lasso around God so that they, uh, they know how far they can go and they want to get all the way to the end of their rope and say, man, okay, I, this is as close to the world as I can live and still be attached to God. That's not what God wants. God wants us to abandon the world and to be as close to Him as we possibly can. When, I've, when I go walking with my dog, which isn't that frequent, I should do it more. When I do go, my dog pulls something fierce. When we had her in Italy and I was jogging regularly, I'm telling you, she increased my running time. I promise you that. Man, that dog loved to run. I'd go out and she, just, she would drag me the entire three miles. It was unbelievable. Then she would come home and almost die of a heart attack. It was amazing. But she would not stop. She would, she would pull the entire time. I, I finally had to develop a little, uh, uh, a little rope system so that she doesn't pull any longer. But listen, uh, that's how we are oftentimes trying to get as far away from God as we possibly can. And we, don't, we ought to be uh, trying to stay as close to God. Hey, we ought to be careful that we guard our passion and our fire and our zeal for our love for God, that it would not fade and that it would not go out, but that it would be a passion and a zeal for God like has, ne like has always been. And that's what he's saying, hey, that you've gotten away from your first love. Their love was not what it once was. It started to fade. Reading the Word of God uh, was a passion. Listening to preaching was a passion. And attending church was a passion. And witnessing was a passion. And everything, they were passionate about God. And he's saying, hey, you need to get back to that. They've left off that passion that they once had. He's giving them their correction. We see their commendation. We see their correction. Look at their command in verse number 5. He says, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent to do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. He's saying, hey, remember. Verse 5, remember your passion for the Lord. I heard a preacher say this many years ago, and it bothered me, but it stuck with me because it's a true statement. And he said this, if you can ever remember a time when you were closer to the Lord than you are right now, then you're backslid. 
if you can remember a time that you were closer to the Lord, if you're looking back and you're over, over your life and you're saying, boy, I was closer to the Lord than I am right now, hey, then you have a problem because we have left our first love. And he's saying, hey, I want you to remember and I want you to get back to that place where you were and you need to look back over your life and find it and remember, uh, remember your love for the Lord and your zeal for the Lord. Remember why you love the Lord. Boy, it's been an overwhelming theme all day long. We love Him because He first loved us. Boy, how good God is to love us. You think about that. When we were unlovable, when we were not looking for God. But the Bible says it this way in Romans 5.8, but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us, and He cares about us. Hey, that ought to drive us to Him and love Him. He says, remember. He says, repent. Repent, as I talked about this morning, is to, to be sorrowed or pained for sin. I remember in Peru, they had the animal markets. We didn't go to the animal markets all the time, but uh, sometimes we'd go out there and we'd pass out tracks, and it was a great opportunity. There was lots of people, and, and we're talking about uh, live animal markets. And so they'd bring their cattle, they'd bring their hogs, they'd bring their sheep, and, and, and you've, never, you've never lived until you've been to an animal market in Peru. So I'm sorry, most of you just have left, missed out. Maybe we'll book a trip and go sometime. We go down to those animal markets and those animals, man, I, you've, you've never seen anything until you have seen uh, these guys would bring, they had their one sheep and they would doll it all up and they would, they would bathe it and they might even put a little bow on it and, and they would tie it and they'd walk it down to the market and, and I'm not kidding you, they would take their hogs, they would clean them all up and bathe them and make them uh, nice looking, they'd tie a rope, most of them did not have cars, some of them would hire trucks and they'd bring in several animals on a truck, but many of them would just walk them in. And here they are walking all their animals to the market and trying to sell them. And, and, and I remember this particular day as we went there, uh, there was this big hog and, and, uh, and they had a rope and they were walking it like they walk their dog. That's how they did it. I'm not kidding you. Walking this hog to the market. And you could tell this hog had been cleaned up. I mean, they probably even used soap and water. They got this hog. It was a clean looking pig. They had this thing, they were walking it, and as they were walking it, the problem was it had rained the night before, and the animal market, you wore boots. We'll just leave it at that. You needed boots. You did not go in sandals. Not, not, don't ever do that. And so we're walking to the market, and I see this pig walking, and on the side of the road, there is a mud hole. Now, if you know anything about pigs, they love mud holes. And this is a shiny, clean pig. I mean, they, they had him ready for sale. And all of a sudden, the biggest tug of war you ever saw broke out because that pig saw that mud hole. And, and, and here's the owners trying to pull it back. And here's the hog saying, man, I got to wallow in that. 
And he is pulling and they are pulling and, and, and they're trying to keep that pig clean because they want to take him to the market and they want to sell him and they want to get good money for him and they want him to look nice. And, and here's that hog and, and it wasn't very long, but boy, boy, all of a sudden he finally just got his nose just down in it and slung the mud all over himself. And it was all over. Listen, how often are we pulling against God and He's pulling us back saying, hey, child of God, don't go there. Don't go in that direction. You don't need that slop. You don't need that mud in your life. You need to keep your life clean. I've taken the time to clean you up. I've taken the time to take care of your sin and to wash them away and don't go wallowing in it. And He says, hey, he, that you need to repent. And listen, repentance is not running back to the mud and the wickedness of society, but it is running running the other way and saying, hey, I don't want that stuff anymore in my life. That's not to say that you'll never get dirty and you'll never mess up again, but I'm saying our desires ought to be changed in our life and we ought not to desire the, the, the filth of this world. And he's saying repent and turn from it and remember your love that you once had. And he says at the end of that verse number, uh, verse number 5 there, he says, well, in the beginning, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. He's saying return to where God wants you. Hey, listen, I love the story of the prodigal son. Why? Because the father is just waiting with arms wide open. Isn't God so good to us? Man, you mess up your life and, and you wallow in the mud, you wallow in the filth. And God says, hey, child, just come home. Hey, I'm here for you. The father and the prodigal son was standing there waiting and watching down the road for his son. Man, what a good God we serve. And God is saying, hey, return to where you once were. He cautions him in verse number 5. And look at what he says. He says, and do the first works or else... I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. I want you to notice a couple things out of this caution. He says quickly uh, that, listen, uh, the Lord will come quickly and judgment will fall. Hey, listen, we ought not delay. If God's giving you a window of opportunity to fix something, to clean something up, hey, you ought to get it right. Don't worry. I've always said, keep short accounts with God. Don't try and, and run away. And, and who knows how long suffering the Lord is. And, and we don't, He is long suffering and He does wait. But listen, uh, He also does say, hey, that's enough. Time is up. And, and when it's up, uh, I'm telling you what, it is quickly that the judgment of God falls on our life. We've got to be careful. And he's warning them saying, hey, uh, we need to keep things right because it will happen quickly. And he says there in verse number 5, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place. What is the candlestick? The candlestick, if you go back to chapter 1 and verse number 20, is the church. And he's saying, hey, I'll close its doors. I'll shut it down. I was reminded of, uh, of the... 
uh, story in Israel when uh, Eli was, was wicked and his sons were wicked and uh, they went off to war and, and his sons died and, uh, and his, the one daughter-in-law was about to give birth and as she gave birth, she all, what, a, what a sad story in all reality. The kid's dad died, uh, his mom died in childbirth, but before she died, she said, name him Ichabod. The glory of God hath departed out of Israel. Boy, I don't want God to write Ichabod across our church and say the glory has departed. And he's just saying here, he said, listen, if you don't keep short accounts, if you don't repent, if you don't get back to your first love, that he will write Ichabod and the glory of God will have departed and he will remove the candlestick out of its place. Verse number 7, he gives him a charge. He says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He's saying, hey, listen. You need to listen to what God is saying. Preach this morning and we need to understand, hey, we need to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. He speaks to us. Hey, you ought to speak to you every day as you open up the Word of God on Monday. It's not just Sunday. Oh, I'm grateful that we get together. And the Bible does say, and I love this, even in the beginning of this uh, chapter, he says there in verse number 1, under the angel of the church of the Ephesus, write these things, saith he, uh, he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Hey, when believers get together, Hey, praise the Lord, He is there in the midst. He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. And I, I've covered that before, I preached about that. Hey, it is a blessing to be able to get together with other believers and worship the Lord and know that, hey, He shows up in our midst. Praise the Lord for that. And He wants to be in our midst and He wants to speak to us, and we ought to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Praise the Lord that we can get together, and that He does speak with us, and He does meet with us. But listen, every day that you get up on Monday, you can get up and you can read the Word of God, and you ought to listen. What does God want to speak to me? Tuesday, what does God want to speak to me? Wednesday, what does God want to tell to me in His Word? How does God want to use me today? We ought to be sensitive and listen to God. And then he finishes up verse number 7, and he says, um, To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And we ought to live right. We ought to continue to live our life right for God. This, this is not, we won't lose our salvation. We know that. The Bible says one of the, one of the easiest verses for eternal security, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him, what does it say? Shall not perish. So if you trusted the Lord as your Savior, you're not going to lose your salvation. One of the easiest verses to remember. So it's not talking about salvation. There's a promise there, and, and I don't know that I understand it completely, but I know this, God wants us to live right. That I do know. And so he says, listen to what the Spirit's saying and live our life in a right way so we don't leave our first love 
with God. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, we see in Revelation chapter 2 the declining church. All these churches, a lot of people will say they're ages and they very well could be ages, but I believe too that they very well could be states of churches or status, and every church could be in a different status. Some, some churches are in a decline. Some churches are in a good place, and I want us to be in a good place. I want us to be in the place where we're living for the Lord. Father, I pray that you would speak to hearts as only you can. God, help us to remember our first love for you. God, to walk with you and to live for you and to obey you and to follow you and God, to be passionate and zealous for you. God, to have a low tolerance of sin in our lives. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Have you left your first love? Are you walking with the Lord? Are you passionate? Just as that old saying, it's not my saying, it's come from years before me. If you can find a time where you were closer to the Lord than you are right now, hey, you might need to look at that. Sometimes we can do more at some times in our life than we can do. I'm not talking about service. I'm talking about your love and your passion for God. That it shouldn't wane. It shouldn't grow cold. 